Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thanks for joining us for Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. And I'm so thankful you've decided to join us on uh, this episode of Positively Dad. You know, this has been a lot of fun, and we're just about three months now into our launch, and it's been great uh, to, to hear from those of you that are listening, and we just appreciate the support. You know, it's so challenging to launch a podcast, and, and the dad space is not like this space that everyone's running after to get on. In fact, if you ever go out and look at things that are about parenting, pretty much everything is geared to mom. And in fact, that's why I decided to do this podcast. Seven years ago, when I found out I was going to be a dad, I just, you know, like you, just thought and, and, and hoped that I would be a great one, that I would help raise an amazing child and be a great father and be a great partner to my wife. And, and, and so I go out looking for resources, and there just aren't a bunch there. So I thought, well, we'll start a resource. And so to those of you who found this to be a valuable resource for you, I thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Share it with people and, and let them know about the conversations that we're having. Follow us on social media. Share those things with people. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Positively Dad. And then wherever you listen to a podcast, if you would write a review or, or click like or whatever, five stars, whatever you do, that would be awesome. You know, again, my goal is to just have conversations that we wouldn't normally have. And today I'm excited about one. We are going to talk with a friend of mine that I met a few years ago named Lionel Dalton. He played in the NFL for nine years, five different teams, including the Baltimore Ravens, where he won a Super Bowl. And what I'm excited to talk with Lionel about today are a few things. Number one, he's got four kids. So he's going to talk with us a little bit about what it's like to be a dad who's in the NFL, has four kids, and what that life is like. Number two, he's, he's a man that is just so full of gratitude. Whenever I interact with him or see him on social media, he's just so thankful. And we're going to learn a little bit about why he's like that and what that means for him and how he helps talk about gratitude with his kids. So I'm excited to hear about that. And number three, his story into the NFL is, is really quite a fascinating one. He didn't go to a big school. He went to a, uh, Eastern Michigan, which is in the Mid-American Conference, and, and I like him. I went to Ball State, which is also in the Mid-American Conference, so it's fun to talk with a guy who played in the MAC. And, um, and he was undrafted in the NFL, and here he goes, an undrafted player from a small school and a small conference, has a nine-year career and wins a Super Bowl, all while raising four kids. And so I'm excited to hear his perspective today about mindset, about winning, about success, about perseverance, because he went through some trials in the NFL, and, and, then, uh, and then instilling gratitude in your kids and just raising, raising uh, uh, people who are, are po have a positive mindset and a great outlook on life. So I'm excited to welcome Lionel to the show today. Lionel, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Okay, great. No problem. Hey, I'm happy to have you on. You know, you, you, um, uh, your perspective is going to be great. I've always loved the perspective of an athlete because you have to work hard for what you did. And, um, and, and you did that, right? You played in college. You had a long career in the NFL. You won a Super Bowl. So um, I imagine that, man, the mindset that it takes to be successful in the NFL has just got to be, you know, unbelievable. Tell me about that. Well, for me personally, I kind of, um, first thing I did when I got there was ask a bunch of people who were older than me, what did it take to make it to the NFL? 
had a few people tell me different things. The thing is, Jackson receiver, uh, rest in peace. Um, he told me, do one thing better than everybody else, Lionel, and you can make it in this league. You can play in this league. So I focused on the things that were good at so I can be the best at it. And so I, uh, and it actually worked. I was really good at getting off the ball, penetrating the line of scrimmage, and it, uh, it helped me have a nine-year career. So I was one of the best at it in my team. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, a nine-year career is, I mean, that's almost unheard of in the NFL, right? I mean, most of these careers are way shorter. So that's a, that's a huge yeah, success. Yeah, average career is three to four years. Most guys don't make it to the second contract. So, really? Um, yeah, most, yeah, second contract because either they're going to either get a young guy and pay him the same to do what you do or pay you more. So if you're not good enough to play where you can start or at least compete for a starting position, allowing your three to usually replace you with a younger guy. Yeah, it makes good business sense. And yet for you, uh, man, if you're not careful, it's a short career. So here's here's why I wanted to have you on, and this is why I'm excited about it. Uh, you went undrafted, so you had to end up making a team, right? And the Ravens signed you in, what, 98, Correct. after you graduated from Eastern Michigan. You played with Correct. them and were, and were on the team that beat the Giants to win the Super Bowl in 2001, and that was a contract year for you. Is that right? Well, that was not my contract year, but it was uh, on the bridge. Of, it was so I was a rookie free agent. So a rookie free agent, on your fourth year, your third year, another team can come and pay you your contract, or they can high tender you. You're playing for the Ravens. You win the Super Bowl, and the Broncos, yes. what, call you and sign you, right? Yeah, a couple of teams call me, but Broncos want to pay me the most. Okay, so, so here's what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, I would, wouldn't everybody, right? So here's what happens. The Broncos right. say they want to pay you a ton of money. You just won a Super right. Bowl. You've had you've had a good season. And mm-hmm. then things didn't go great in Denver, right? What happened? Denver, well, I didn't, me and Mike Shanahan, we didn't have the same philosophy. I didn't like the way he ran his team. I didn't like him as a coach. So the Broncos cut you and you go to Washington. Is that right? Yeah, Broncos actually traded me to Washington. They didn't come. They traded me to Washington, and I played for Washington for a year under Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier got fired. You know, when coaches get fired, they usually get rid of all his players. Right. So as the Spurrier got fired, they shipped all. They dismantled the team, and then I ended up going to Kansas City, who wanted me as well as Denver, which I would have went. I wish I would have went now, but um, Denver they just offered me a little less than Denver, and I went to Denver. So I ended up in Kansas City with Dick Vermeer, who was a great coach, one of my favorite coaches. Right, and that's where you really had your best couple of years, right, was in Kansas City. Yes, Kansas yeah. City was a great environment. Um, it's a nurturing environment. Dick Vermeer was one of those coaches that loved the players, and he's similar to big um, Brian Billick where they um, they um, mentor the players. And um, I just like the environment. It's a great working environment for me, and it showed in my play and my production. Got it. Got it. And then you spent about a half a season with Houston before you retired from the NFL. Yes. Um, they from retired. Then we got Herm Everson, who has a similar personality to Mike Shanahan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that <laughs> and just didn't so fit with you. It just didn't fit with me. I don't deal with the ego. People were too so He ended up trading me. He cut me, actually. And then I got picked up by the guy. The, the, the scout wanted the head scout in Baltimore was the general manager, uh, Mike, at, um, Houston, at um, Houston. He picked me up after I left. Kansas City, and I played my last years in um, Texas. Got it. Houston, Texas. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So uh, now that we have all that, I, I'll go back and look at it and go, what a career, what a move, all the stuff you're doing. You've got 
kids while you're doing this, right? And yeah, um, yeah. and and you got to keep your mindset in the right spot. All this kind of stuff. Like, what are the big things you learned about just you know your mindset and and how you think and what you're doing based on that experience that you had in the NFL over nine years? For me, um, being a journeyman and bouncing around in between my career, like living three states in three years. I had to pretty much focus on being present. So I stopped, I couldn't let everything else distract me because that would take away from my production on the field. So I practiced more about being present, not uh, worrying about what I couldn't control and just, um, you know, receiving all the love from my family and support from my family, even though they couldn't be. Because when I moved like my third time, my wife stayed in um, Florida because it was too much for the kids. So. I just tried to stay present and try to um, stay in my kids' life as possible, much as I could while I was traveling. Talk to them every day and um, just focus on what president and remember my why, your why. I think you have to have a why because that, that pushes you when you have tough days. Because it was a lot of nights I come home and I miss my family and I have to focus on the why. And the why was them. I was doing this for them, for their future. So when you say we have to be present, what do you mean by that? It means like don't let, don't get distracted. When you um, present meaning like the only thing you can control what's, is what is in front of you. You really can't control the future or the past. I mean, you can work now. Even when you're working for the future, you're still doing your work in the present moment. So all I do is work on what's in front of me and don't let things from the past pull me back and thinking too far ahead stress me out. I stay present and it helps alleviate a lot of the stress and keeps me focused on the task at hand. Right. How did you balance while during your playing years and your family's back in Florida and you're in Kansas City or you're in Houston or wherever you're living? How do you balance the being gone, you know, the demands of playing the NFL and then being a husband and a father? My wife, my wife was very um, supportive and uh, every home game, they would come down. So they would fly down the week of the home game and stay with me for the week. And every away game, she would go back to Florida. So they would come down maybe like a Friday and stay until Monday, go back Monday morning. So I would be with them for that weekend. And it was um, it was tough, man. I don't um, So I had some rough nights, but I had to focus. Like I said, I had to focus on my wife, which is my children and my um, legacy and have, so they can have a better life than I had growing up. And um, that's pretty much how I pushed through it, just focusing on my wife. What was important to you about them having a better life than you did growing up? What was important to them? Um, so I grew up in the city of Detroit. So um, I've seen a lot of things kids probably shouldn't see at a certain age. And um, and it affected me, I guess, as a – I mean, I just I, – I grew up not having much. And um, there's a lot of things I missed out on. I didn't go to camp. I didn't do certain things. I didn't get to have ice cream every weekend you know, or anything. Things the kids, my kids enjoy luxuries I didn't have as a kid, and I wanted my kids to have those things that I didn't have growing up. And um, that was it. But just yeah, that was it. That's why it was important to me. So let's fast forward. You're out of the league now. You've been out retired for a while. You you're back at home. You've got four kids, two little ones, right? A, a four year old and a six month old, and and yet you're doing so many things, creating this life for them. What is it that you do just to help them keep their, their mindset moving forward, right? Because your life growing up was very different than theirs, I imagine. And so uh, you, your mindset came out of necessity to not be where you were. How right. are you teaching to them 
when they've got a better life than, than you had as a four-year-old or even you have a 17-year-old, even as a 17-year-old, how do you well, teach to them to keep pushing and having a mindset that, look, uh, we got to stay positive and really make things happen? Well, I know my purpose as a young kid was my was service. I was always like helping people, even as a little boy. And um, for me, I wanted my kids to be grounded. I had a lot of friends whose kids were spoiled, whatever. They could kids, could kid, guys who came from similar backgrounds to me, they just spoiled their kids because they figured they didn't have anything. And I think that was not good. I always had a nonprofit or worked for a nonprofit. So I always take my kids out, volunteer. They would see me do things in the community. And I think that helped them appreciate their life, you know, because I have pretty good kids. They're not spoiled as most people might think they are, but um, they're pretty grounded, I think, because the exposure to um, people who don't have what they have. And I think that helps you appreciate what you have. And I also teach gratitude. I always tell my kids to be grateful for everything they have. So I think gratitude, um, gratitude motivates me. Um, that's my motivator in the morning, just to appreciate what I have. And so I think I instilled it in my kids as well. Well, tell me about your gratitude routine and then how you teach that to your kids. Well, I used to practice something called the science of the mind and um, by Edgar Holmes. And he told us to get up every day and say five things you're, you're grateful for. And you look yourself in the mirror. I do 10. And uh, every morning I do this. And I've been doing it now for like forever. And about 20 years now, I just get up every morning and I brush my teeth and think of five things I appreciate. And I think that humbles me and um, and it keeps me grounded. And I've been doing it forever. And um, I have it written up on my wall and I have it in my kids' rooms as well. This gratitude, man, just 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 focusing on what you think that some people didn't wake up in the morning. Some people have lost family members. Just it's a lot of things people going suffering. And so I try to appreciate the things that I have in, um, in the life that I've been given. How do you teach that? Them. How do you teach that for a, to a four year old? <laughs> gratitude to a four year old. I just. um that's a good one. How do I teach my four-year-old gratitude? That's tough, actually. I don't think they really get it until they're about 10. But um, to a four-year-old, um, I just tell my daughter, you know, she see me talking about, I appreciate her. I tell her, when we read books tonight, I tell her, thank you for letting me read book with her. I'm appreciative that she give me kisses. So she see dad always thanking her for the things she do for me. And I want her. So you are giving gratitude to her in a way to show her this is who we are. This is what we do. Right. Uh, she see me always, you know, I'm always treat, I treat everybody equally. I'm nice to everybody. Um, I don't think I'm better than anybody. Um, and so she see, I mean, I think kids do what they see, not what you tell them. Parents try to tell the kids, do this, do that. But they also, if they see you doing differently, they're going to do what they see. And so I try to be an example of show gratitude. And I think that, that's what my teachers learn. That's what kids learn. Yeah. What about you have uh, a 17 year old and a 20 year old. So what about them? How, how has, have you taught gratitude to them and how do you see them now using that? How's it impacting them? My bro, my, my son who plays for the university of Houston now, he's like one of the coolest kids. He's very, if you look at the social media page, he's always talks about how, he, how lucky he is to be playing, playing college football and how lucky he is to be in the position he's in and, how great of a season. He's always expressed on his social media how thankful he is. Um, my daughter, um, she, she, she's still getting it. <laughs> she might, I might have spoiled my daughter a little. I think she's um, my spoiled child, but um, I think she's a good girl. She's appreciative. 
Um, she she's thankful, but um, I'm working on her stuff. <laughs> so well, aren't we all right? It's always a work in progress. That's called parenting, yeah. right? It's called parenting. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, let me ask you this question about your time as a football player. Did you play football in high school as well, and you know, middle school and pee wee football? I mean, did you play growing up? Yeah, I started playing football at eight years old back okay. in Detroit. Okay. Yeah, and so you went to college at Eastern Michigan, which good for a yeah. Mac school, right? So for our listeners, yeah. I went to Ball State, did not play football, okay, at Ball State. Um, in fact, when you were at Eastern Michigan, Ball State was really bad in football. That was when you would circle a win on the calendar when you had to yeah, come think, to Muncie think, or when we were coming. Neck and neck. I think Ball State Eastern Michigan might have been the garbage bowl. <laughs> the two worst teams in the Mac. Yeah, yeah well, we had the longest too. we had the longest losing streak in the country when I was a student at Ball State. So they went to a bowl game my freshman year. Brad Maynard was a punter on that team. He was probably our best player. And then uh, and then they did nothing the rest of the time I was there. So, yeah, that we were not showing up in droves when the uh, <laughs> Eagles and the Cardinals were getting together. Yeah. Right? That wasn't happening. Did, did Keith McKenzie play your years? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't go. Okay. So now here's okay. here's okay. the deal. So so you play in college. You get you get nine years in the NFL as an undrafted. I imagine being undrafted and having a nine year career that that's a small number of people. Yes, it is a lot of yeah. I I didn't. Yes, it is. It was actually they drafted two people in front of me. Um, with me, I how I did it. I became obsessed or stalker to the guy they drafted in front of me because I was angry. So I would watch this guy and everything he did, I would do more. Hmm. So if he did ten push-ups, I did fifteen. I would get up in the middle of the night. I would give myself a mental edge. I would do things like get up and do sit-ups in the, in the, at three o'clock in the morning, knowing he's not doing it. So mm-hmm. I would do things like that to try to do one more thing to him. Therefore, I feel mentally I'm more prepared than he is to, um, for the game. So me, that was, yeah, that's how I did it. Well, I became obsessed with being better than the guy they picked in front of me. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, look, as much as you and I love the Mac, the Mac, you know, people are not going to Eastern Michigan and Ball State hoping to make the NFL. Uh, they go because they said, hey, come play here, right? And right. um, and then you go have a nine-year career. So what separates, what do you think it is that separates some players from others when it comes to here you got this guy who was drafted, you weren't. What's the difference between a guy who makes it nine years and a guy who doesn't? It's a few variables that play into that. Some can be you, you get drafted to the wrong team. And sometimes it's just one guy wants it better than the other. If to me, I was going to get this. I had to do it. You know, it was like this. In my mind, I had no other options. But, uh, they, of course, there are other options. But in my mind, I had no other options. And it was like I wanted this so bad that I can taste it. And I did everything that I needed. I did everything I could to make sure I was in a position to be successful. So and, you were uh, committed. Like I said, I, I worked. Hmm? You were committed to this goal of making it happen. Right. In my mind, I was going to do it. I didn't care what anybody said. I didn't care about naysayers. I just focused on every, every day was about making it mentally, uh, meditating, praying, and pretty much obsession about being better than the guy in front of me. What happened on the times that were tough? You know, you had a, a tough year in Denver. Um, the ending in Washington wasn't great. I mean, what was it like when things got tough? How did you keep yourself getting up and going every day? Man, focusing on focus like I'm focusing on the present moment. Man, I have a I'm always present, man. My wife hates it sometimes. She say, you never get mad. I just always present, man, because I know I have no I don't have control over it. And actually Jack Del Rio taught me this. I know the old coach, he coached for Oakland Raiders. 
And then he spoke, and he, um, he was my Baltimore Ravens coach. And he said, you don't worry about what you can't control, Lionel. Or Jelly Roll, that's my nickname. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I listened to that, and I, like, really, it helped me. I, like, stopped focusing on things that's not out of my – all I can do is focus on what's in my power. It's in my power how hard I work. It's in my power how many reps I take. It's in my power if I'm going to give 100%. Right. And all I can do is focus on that. And if I focus on that, I believe good things happen to those who focus on what they can control and do and give they all and do it their best. So with and, your um, experience there and with your experience there and what you talked about with gratitude and all that kind of stuff, as we wrap up, what is it that you'd want the dads to know you know, as they're just, they're getting up and going to work every day, just like you do and did they're, they're mm-hmm. raising a family just like you are. Um, mm-hmm. What is it? What's the one thing though, that you would like these dads to know when it comes to their mindset and their mindset of their kids and just really pushing through? Always remember what you're thankful for. Always remember gratitude because there's always somebody that has the work that you have it. You know, you think you got it bad, Go to, I've traveled the world, go to South Africa. They got it bad. They don't have running water in some places. So focus on gratitude and appreciate what you have and work hard to get what you don't have. And I think life, you know, life, life, life is okay. <laughs> for me, that's what works for me. Just practicing gratitude. Awesome. Lionel, thanks for doing this for me. I appreciate it so much. No problem. Anytime. Great stuff from Lionel Dalton. I love what he shared with us a few things. Number one, be present. He said that's what he had to do. And I love that. One thing that I think about all the time is what if we were present wherever we are? When we're at home, we're at home. When we're at work, we're at work. So when we're at home, let's let's put down the phone and get off the email. And I know it's easier said than done. I'm talking to me here too, right? What if we did that and we were just present at home? And then when we were at work, if we were just present in what we were doing at work, then maybe we could get out of there faster. We'd be more efficient. We could do a whole podcast on that another time. Because so many people tell me that sometimes when they're at home, they feel guilty for not being at work. And when they're at work, they feel guilty for not being at home. And Lionel says, just be present wherever you are, right? Then he said three things that, that I'd like you to think about. And if you're at a spot to write these down, you might write them down. Number one is remember your why. And, and if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing in the first place, if you don't know the purpose behind that, that what drives you, then you won't want to do it. And so let's get a big why and let's be passionate about something and show up in a big way. Number two, he said it in the middle there and and then he didn't come back up again. So I'm going to bring it back up, which is what's your legacy? What's the legacy that you're leaving? And you heard his story. He grew up in Detroit in a not a great neighborhood, saw things he didn't, you know, no kid should see and he doesn't want his kids to have that. So what's your legacy? And then another thing he said was do a little bit extra. And he talked about that when he was talking about not getting drafted and just what he was doing in his career in the NFL, getting up earlier, doing more sit-ups, whatever. It reminds me of something somebody told me one time, which was the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just extra. Just write out the word. Write out the word extraordinary. And the difference is just the word extra. Just a little bit extra can go a long way. All right, so now it's time for one of, well, really, it's probably everyone's favorite part of the podcast, and this is where my seven-year-old daughter, Naomi, comes in and joins us for the Kids Corner, and here's how it works. She's on every show, and she gets to choose what she talks about. I don't tell her, don't coach her, do very little editing of what she talks about. You just kind of get her full thoughts on whatever it is that she's thinking, 
And she heard today that we're talking about just doing a little bit extra, kind of the difference between extraordinary and ordinary is a little bit extra. And so that's what she's going to talk with you about today. So here she is, Naomi with the Kids Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids Corner with your host, Naomi. Hi, my name is Naomi Shaw, and today we're going to talk about giving up on giving up. So I have this little shirt on, and it says, giving up on giving up. So I decided to do this awesome thing. Okay, giving up on giving up means that, like, you never want to give up on doing something really hard, like perseverance. You know, and perseverance is... When life gets hard, you don't give up. This is how I persevered through the past few weeks. Um, I was, I was like, well, I was making my room, and I'm like, I want to stop doing this. So I asked my parents, and they're like, no. So I'm like, fine. And I did like 20 minutes after that, I was done with my room, um, and I was trying to give up on singing. Um, but I didn't because it was my favorite thing. So whenever you love something, do not give up, please. So you don't want to quit in the rest of your life. But but if you like say I don't want to do this, and you go and you do it, then that's awesome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Well, there you go. Persevere through it. I mean, I think Lionel proved that he did that, right? being undrafted, ended up getting into the league, played nine years, won a Super Bowl. He persevered out of a rough situation growing up and is now living, uh, creating this great life, rather, for his kids. And then he's teaching them how to be into gratitude and push through when they are growing up in an environment different than he did. So great lessons we could learn from Lionel, great lessons we can learn from a seven-year-old named Naomi, who's quite awesome, right? Persevere, just do a little bit extra. I trust that this added some value to you today, that you learned something that's going to help you as a dad, as a partner, that, that you can take with you and teach to your kids. You're seeing the importance of gratitude and what it could do. You know, uh, I would love for you to reach out to Lionel and let him know how much you appreciated what he did uh, and what he shared with us today. You can find him on Instagram. It's really, really easy. Just go on to Instagram. And, and he, he mentioned it on the podcast that his nickname is Jelly Roll, right? So if you go look for Jelly Roll World Tour on Instagram, Jelly Roll World Tour on Instagram, you can find Lionel and follow him. He posts great stuff. And, and just send him a note of gratitude to say thanks for sharing with us today. And then follow us, too. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Positively Dad. We'd love to hear your feedback. Go to PositivelyDad.com. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.